How does a medical student choose a career in pediatrics? How do you become involved in medical education? And what is a learning community? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Dr. Tiffany Glasgow. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Got a great guest today, Dr. Tiffany Glasgow. Hello. Hi. I'm glad. I'm excited that you're here. Um, so yeah, let's talk pediatrics. <laughs> so you know, I interact with a lot of med students, uh, Dr. Glasgow. How did you choose to go into pediatrics? Because that seems to be like a lot. There's a lot of anxiety. People are wondering, you know, how do I choose my the field for me? Yeah, I think this is a great question, and I think about this a lot mm-hmm. because I spend so much time with students asking me that same question. Um, I was a student that loved all my rotations. Um, I dove in head first. I thought it was so cool to be a surgeon and so cool to be a neurologist. And every step along the way, fascinated by all the rotations. Um, I didn't go in saying I was going to be one thing. Um, So it was a little bit hard to make that decision. But I think what it comes down to for me is that while I was on my pediatrics rotation, that patient population... um, I think they bring out the best in me. Mm. Um, So all the reasons I wanted to be a doctor really came out when I got into pediatrics. And those patients made me want to be the best and made me want to uh, care for them no matter how tired I was or how busy I was. Um, And I liked who I was when I was taking care of children when I was on my pediatric rotation. I didn't feel like uh, I was going through the motions. I didn't feel like I was focused on um, being a good student. Uh, I didn't really even think about the hours. They just kind of melted away. I was really focused on. So when you get a call for an admission, you know, just, oh, my gosh, I've got to get down to the ER and take care of this child. It just brought out a uh, really just I feel like it brought out the best in me. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. So, I mean, did you realize this right away or did you kind of, did you look back on your third year and, and then make the decision? I mean, yeah. how, how did you make that decision? It, I think it was hard. I, um, I realized that I was very happy or that I, um, I, I, I did well on that rotation. I felt good about that rotation. Um, but I didn't decide to do it until I looked back mm-hmm. uh, and thought about, you know, all the factors. I wasn't, I'm not one of those people that makes decisions based on practicality. I didn't make a list. Um, I think I do best if I can just go with my gut. Um, if you can get to your gut, mm-hmm. which takes some time away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I finally said it out loud, and I think I want to do pediatrics, everyone around me and my husband's a couple years ahead of me in med school said, of course, that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, they all knew I was going to be a pediatrician before I knew I was going to be a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I think that's common. Did you ever regret that choice? <laughs> no, I have no regrets. Mm-hmm. N- not at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Did you, and I, I'm not even sure too much about your background. Did you ever think about subspecializing or did you yeah. always know or, or how did, like how, yeah. tell, walk me through that decision. Yeah. So that was a, um, that was a tough one. I, um, I started my residency with the intention of actually doing a cardiology fellowship mm-hmm. and I had done, uh, I did some research with some of the sort of the, uh, gurus of pediatric cardiology, Abe Rudolph and Julian Hoffman, who are just the most amazing physicians. And they were 
my idols because they were not just cardiologists. They were fantastic general pediatricians, and they knew everything. And this is out in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Right? And okay. UC, at UC San Francisco, and yeah. I wanted to be them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it was getting closer, and I actually had a fellowship lined up, I, um, surprise, had my first child in residency, mm-hmm. <laughs> who I who was now 17, mm-hmm. um, and decided that with my husband in surgery residency, it was probably not a, a super practical decision to do a fellowship. Um, and I was completely fine with that decision um, because as I got closer to specializing, I realized that I really liked so many aspects of pediatrics and I was mourning giving them up mm. before I even got there. So uh, I gave up the fellowship mm-hmm. and uh, went into practice. Okay. Yeah. So just a general pediatrician? So I did. Initially, I was a, a general pediatrician and then through uh, Rob's residency and moves, I... Um, I worked as a hospitalist. Mm-hmm. I dabbled in some intensive care and some NICU and emergency medicine as okay. well. <laughs> and so for, so I get the sense from your practice nowadays, you just kind of focus more on patients within, within the hospital. Yep. So you don't have an outpatient clinic per yep. se. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I'm a hospitalist. I take care of only hospitalized patients. Okay. I don't take care of hospitals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Um, so again, a lot of med students ask because like, you know, they do form relationships with each other in med school. Sometimes more mm-hmm. and more people are applying as couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what advice would you give? You know, it's obviously, you know, you met your husband in medical school. Right. I mean, what, what has kept you <laughs> sane or together all these years? Uh, oh, it's been great. It's actually, I, I think it's so nice to have a partner that mm-hmm. understands. Um, we understand each other. When he's, you know, drops everything and runs back in for a patient, I totally understand. Um, you know, it takes away that resentment of his job because I know that what he's doing and he knows what, what I'm doing is something that's really important to us and that it is um, uh, important to other people. Um, it's not always easy, especially when our kids were younger. There was a lot of juggling mm-hmm. and uh, complexity in figuring out how it was all going to fit together. Um, it, navigating kids during residency was especially challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's worked, and I think my kids have turned out okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, you know, I've heard good things about them. I bet them, I think. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so, great. Um, so, moving forward, like, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, Dr. Glasgow. Okay. But, um, you've won several teaching awards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> here at uh, the University of School of Medicine. So, I mean, what's your secret? How do you? How are you such a good teacher? I mean, because I know a lot of students are very interested in, in, in becoming great teachers. I mean, what, what is your trick? What's your technique? <laughs> uh, I think the the I don't I don't know exactly what it is, but I know uh, f- starts with loving it. I absolutely c- love teaching. I um, I I think that I'm good at figuring out what people's strengths are um, and capitalizing on them. Are you about medical students, yeah, okay. right. yeah. I think for students, I think uh, um, uh, I really enjoy getting to know who they are. And what makes them tick? And everybody's got something that they're really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can exploit that and get them there. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love watching a student transform from being a student to being a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that's just a treat for me to see that make that student make the transition from like, I'm a really good student. I'm really smart. and I'm working really hard to I'm actually taking care of a patient. And that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um it's super fun. Yeah. I don't know what makes 
makes me good at it. Mm-hmm. That's a, well, I don't know I mean, if I can answer that. Going back to the pediatric yeah. aspect, I mean, did you always have this uh, desire or passion for teaching? Does it mean does that go back to your med school days as well, or did that come mm-hmm. later? Yeah, I've always loved the academic environment, and mm-hmm. I think this being around students and residents makes you uh, makes makes you a better clinician. Um, it keeps you keeps it fresh, keeps it interesting. They're always asking really good questions and it really forces me to think about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be much better at it to teach it than you would be otherwise. Um, I think I've always really enjoyed being with learners um, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I haven't always worked with learners and in the times in my career where I wasn't working with learners, I was miserable mm-hmm. <laughs> and I came running right back to it and tried to figure out how to make it work and mm-hmm. it did. It was just brief periods of my of my career that I that I was not. Mm-hmm. So, what advice would you give to a student that's interested in pediatrics? I mean, well, I mean, mm-hmm. what do you look for as uh, someone who interacts with the med students on a fairly regular mm-hmm. basis? Yeah, so we want the best. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I. Um, what do we look for? Um, gosh, this is a hard question. It's not one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, most pediatricians tend to be an idealistic type of person mm-hmm. uh, that I really look to look for the motivation to go to pediatrics. Why are you interested in pediatrics? Um, because it's very hard. Um, you have to have some toughness too, because the patients can be quite sad. It can be really tragic, and it's mm-hmm. it can be very hard. Um, so it's sort of the combination of uh, idealism, strength, um, willingness to um, show that emotion and empathy very openly. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what you said because, you know, the fragility of life, the unfairness of life, yeah. I really think that shows up in the realm of pediatrics because you oh, see yeah. young kids um, who, you know, no fault of their own, contract really horrible diseases, cancer, yeah. um, abuse. You know, I'm sure yeah. you've seen that over oh, the years. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you, you know, it's a really beautiful, wonderful patient population, but it's also very tragic uh-huh. because, you know, the way life actually is kind of smacks you upside the head on a fairly, yep. you know, regular basis, I would say. So. Yeah. And it is it. I think that is one of the, uh, I mean, it's one of the sort of both the joys and and tragedies of the, it's, it's super hard because, Children, although they're incredibly resilient, mm-hmm. they have never brought this stuff on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, my, it's interesting is my husband doesn't know how I do it. He's a surgeon, does complex surgery, mm-hmm. and he often says to me, well, I don't know how you take care of sick children. That's got to be so hard. And it is. It mm-hmm. really is. Um, so, mm-hmm. and, you, and you need to be tough, but you need to also access that. It is hard. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, the second you are so immune to that, then you're not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what's your secret? And I mean, do you take breaks? I mean, how do you maintain that balance? How do you maintain yeah. your emotional health, I guess? Yeah, that's a great question. I am very lucky to be working as a hospitalist. So we have on-service and off-service time. Okay. And for me, it's purely about that. So while I'm on service, I'm in deep. Um, and But I, when I – my schedule – is such that uh, when I'm not on clinical service, I'm off clinical service. And while I can continue to think about patients, it allows me it allows me recovery time, mm-hmm. mental recovery time. Um, I'm not great at turning it off when I go home. There are patients that it's that sort of live in my head, in particular when I'm on service. But when I'm on serve off service, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I can turn it off. 
Yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of hospitals and clinics and mm-hmm. practices are moving to that model of on and off yeah. to kind of help with burnout. Because I think you're yeah. referencing burnout. I think that is a very real and growing problem within medicine is yeah. that physicians, I, I, you know, I think as a group, we don't have good boundaries to start with. You know, oh, sure, you know, send so-and-so, you know, into my clinic. I'll make some room this afternoon. And you yeah. stay later and later or, as, you know, as a doctor. Because I'm a hospitalist, too. You find yourself going earlier and earlier into the right. hospital to do, you know, pre-rounds and things like that. So, yep, so yeah, exactly. I think that's a real, real problem in our profession. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's switch gears, Dr. Glasgow. Okay. Let's go back several years while you're applying to medical school. <laughs> what are some tips you have for people applying to medical oh school? Oh, my gosh. So you realize that it was a really long time I, ago. I, I, I'm not allowed to ask your age. So. <laughs> it was a long, long time ago. And uh, I... I don't know about the application process. I, mm-hmm. I I look back and I think, especially when I look at the caliber of students that we're seeing, today. and I today yeah. I think oh, I don't know how on earth I ever got into mm-hmm. medical school. I applied very broadly, mm-hmm. uh, and I snapped up every interview and uh, really looked at every school, um, and was very fortunate that I got into several schools and got to pick mm-hmm. uh, where I wanted to go. Um, I think about that as such a fun time, though, traveling around and interviewing and looking at all these different schools mm-hmm. all across the country. And, as I tell applicants yeah. today, it's like, you know, your interview day is your chance to learn about us, but it's also our chance to learn about you. Right. And there's different places with different cultures, different emphases. Yeah. Um, and then going back to the core about medical education, you got to find a school that teaches um, and instructs you on a learning style that is very close to, you know, is the best way you learn as a student. Absolutely. So. And there's a lot of variability, too, you'll mm-hmm. discover when you when you start looking at different schools. And there's always some discussion about new curriculum. Um, so even back way back then, I remember interviewing at Harvard and they were they were revamping their curriculum and it was all going to be new and everyone was nervous because oh I don't know if we're going to pass the boards now and um, that discussion it, so this is an age old thing mm-hmm. um, as you go through and there's a um, but it's you get a good feel when mm-hmm. you're out looking and yeah. I, I think about it as a really fun time yeah yeah yeah. Well, you made allusion to it, but let's talk about some new parts of the curriculum. You're involved in a very cool program. Yeah. What's that program called? So it's the Clinical Methods and Medical Decision-Making Curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, we've taken the class, each class, um, and broken them down into groups of 10 uh, learning communities. So there's 10 students and one faculty preceptor. And that faculty preceptor will be uh, with that group of students for their entire four years of medical school, responsible for teaching uh, all of the things that go with doctoring. Mm-hmm. Um, so from physical exam to how you document and present patients, how you approach your medical decision making, um, all done in a, a small group setting uh, with a lot of oversight. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. So how is this program different from what other medical schools are doing? Um, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that some medical schools are going to a learning community model. Mm-hmm. Um, very few that I know of are doing a four-year learning community model. So the group stays intact for four years. Exactly. Okay, the cool. group stays intact for four years with the same faculty mm-hmm. uh, who really gets to know that student um, mm-hmm. and can really coach them onto the next level on a very personalized 
fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the faculty member is, for example, a family practice physician, right. but a medical student maybe is interested in surgery, yeah. like how does that work? Is that a detriment to that student? Or? No, not at all. Okay. Um, so in that, and that faculty member is you know, teaching them all of the skills they need for any uh, okay. aspect of medicine as they go through, um, but can also connect them with uh, people to help mentor mm-hmm. uh, their focus in surgery. Um, in, embedded in this course are specialty experiences. So uh, for my for the second year students, they spend um, uh, they have well, I guess a total of eight each semester experiences with a specialist of choice. Uh, so they can start to get exposure early on to all the different specialties and to start to understand the cultural differences between them and start to think about what it might be like to to do these things. Awesome. And as I understand it, uh, mm-hmm. a year ago, you actually had your own learning community. Yes, correct? I did. So tell me about your learning community. Oh. What was it called? What kind of things did you do together? <laughs> so our, our learning communities are named for places in Utah. And my learning community was, we're all national parks in that year. And I had Zion. Mm-hmm. And I had my group of, of 10 students, which um, sadly had to move uh, move away from because of uh, more leadership role in the course. But I am so attached to them. Um, they are all incredible students. Um, I feel like over the course of the year, I got to know them so well. Mm-hmm. Like their strengths, their weaknesses. Their strengths, their weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really uh, have developed a very personal mentoring uh, relationship with all of them that I've maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, they've come to my house for dinner and... Mm. Um, uh, I do I do quite frequently check in and talk with them to mm-hmm. see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, second year can feel really hard, and mm-hmm. so I've um, done a lot of touching base with them. Uh, they've become quite a supportive group of each other. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily a group of students that would have hung out together other than being in this community, but um, they have a nice, uh, really kind of a special relationship, and I've seen them do some really cool things for one another. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, Dr. Glasgow, we're almost out of time, um, but I'd like to thank you for coming on and sharing. <laughs> I guess my, my last question for you is, um, you know, with like wh- where the curriculum is going, wh- I mean, where do you see like this learning community? I mean, is, is it going to get bigger? Is, is Have you talked about maybe having eight students or even five or, you know, I'm just curious what the future holds. That's, yeah. a, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even though it sounds like a small group, a group mm-hmm. of 10 is actually pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, for one faculty member. Uh, as of right now, the communities are going to stay at 10. Um, my ideal system, they would actually be a little smaller okay. um, with more faculty. We have tremendous interest uh, from the faculty at the U to be core faculty members. Um, and so we're you know hiring a few positions this year, and we've got a, a ton of interest. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to capitalize on that interest and uh, get more faculty involved and have the groups be a bit smaller. Okay. So that's my dream. Okay. Whether or not it'll actually happen, well, I don't know. Okay. We'll I'll have to have you come back on the podcast. You yeah, can give us an update uh, on your I dream. Know. All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Glasgow. All right. Great. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.